Hey guys, welcome back to the Creativity Lab. Uh, it's your girl, Lila Nielsen. Thanks for showing up for another episode. Really happy you're here. I get to speak with Judo Campo today, and he is an SDR at GEM. And he truly is a gem of an SDR, guys. He uh, is able to really elaborately walk through his workflows in the daytime of being an SDR, his processes, being really you know, persistent and consistent and creative with his approach to a, a multi-channel touch to his prospecting. So he he is such a gem. Uh, we also speak about revenue revenue generating activities, you know, being proactive in the AE role, collaborating with your AE, and then hopefully transitioning um, to being an AE very soon. So really excited for the episode. Just a little background on him. He was actually originally destined to be a, a pediatrician. He turned a healthcare consultant and then now is is transitioned into being an SDR at GEM, of course. He went to Berkeley and now lives in the tech hub of San Francisco and, of course, works for GEM, which is in the talent acquisition software space and is very passionate and is an advocate for diversity and inclusion. So what a great person to be on the podcast and just really excited for you guys to listen to this one. Hey guys, welcome back to the Creativity Lab. I am with Judo Campo and I'm super excited for you to be on the podcast today. Thanks for being here and just a little background on him. He is a senior SDR at GEM and I'm just really excited to kind of dive into, you know, your life as an SDR and kind of, you know, talk through your tips and tricks and and kind of how it's been for you as well as some examples and kind of some transitioning maybe into AE, you know, it, it, that's in your future. But yeah, really excited for you to be here and thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I, as you know, you talked to Penelope Amauchi. She actually recommended I reach out to you yeah. uh, to, to, to be on your podcast. So uh, I think her first and foremost, I know she introduced us and I followed up. But if it wasn't for introduction, I would never have known about your podcast. So thanks again for having me. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Of course. Yeah, I always love a good recommendation. I feel like in sales, like you always love a good referral. So shout out to Penelope. Everyone go look at Penelope's Penelope and I's podcast episode. It's a really great one. But Jude would love to kind of get to know you and maybe your your background and how you got into sales. And then maybe tell me a little bit about Gem and, and your role there. Yeah, no problem. So I got into sales kind of by accident. So I remember I was in marketing research. So I was like consulting for like these huge pharmaceutical companies and like medical device companies, a completely different world. Honestly, my role kind of aligned more like with product marketing now that I think about it. So very different. Yeah. And I realized I really like problem solving, like being able to, you know, talk with the client and and be kind of their point of contact and solve kind of the challenges that they didn't know they quite had just yet. And that's exactly why I went into tech sales. So I always knew that I like to sell. When I first started kind of my journey into the sales realm, I thought it was real estate in the beginning. I almost finished my license, but I realized to me, it's not as, it's a little more intuitive. I wanted something a little more challenging that I could sell a little complex. And so I actually started out at a different company was like into AI and you know I think it was very difficult because I just didn't know my ICP back then you know I was really personalized and I got that part down but I wasn't consistent so you know that jumping forward I actually we use this term in gem I, I got gemmed so what that basically means is they kind of they engaged me as a passive talent so I wasn't even looking for a job I was happy where I was at but then they reached out to me multiple times and they you know the VP of sales messaged me which I found out being a gem now is actually like a feature that they have on behalf of. So that's how I, I, I landed. I took the first interview and here I am at Gem. To answer your second question, uh, Gem is basically an all-in-one recruiting platform that helps uh, you find the right talent faster because it kind of integrates a lot of the workflows that 
uh, a lot of recruiters use. So, you know, think about like us, right? As SDRs, we use outreach, you know, we use prospect, we use Salesforce. It's kind of just like that, but for recruiters in one centralized space. So that integrates their uh, applicant tracking system, their email, and where they look for talent, whether that be LinkedIn. And we like to say from hello to hire because we're actually able to track uh, diversity. So race, ethnicity, and gender from initial reach out, hello, all the way to offer accept hire. Um, and that's something I'm really passionate about, uh, being a really big DEI advocate. So just the stars really align with, with being at Gem. And that's one of our core values as well. So very happy to be here and very proud to to, to grow into the senior SDR role at Gem. Yeah, that's really exciting. It's it's uh, really cool to hear kind of your journey into sales. And for people listening at home, he's wearing an amazing shirt that says from hello to hire. So he's representing Gem and it's such a cool company. And I really love what you do there. So really excited to kind of jump in today and kind of pick mm-hmm. your brain a little bit and around your SDR role. I know you you take the role in a different way and we both kind of do. So I'm, I'm curious, kind of, I, I guess I'll ask you a general question, like creativity sure. in, in your prospecting. Would love to kind of hear how you approach the SDR role in, in that creative mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I think if you had asked me this question when I first started at Gem, I probably wouldn't be able to answer. I think I've just grown so much in the role currently. And mm-hmm. to, to be able to give you three words of what I think would be a very successful SDR, especially in the enterprise space, which we're prospecting to, is yes, being creative. Creativity is really big, mm-hmm. right? But it's also being persistent and being consistent. I think those three go hand in hand with being a stellar SDR. And to kind of go over my workflow. So we have activity metrics. We have, you know, like every other organization. Yeah, have, right. You know, 50, <laughs> 50 dollars a day. So it's 250 dollars a week. I believe it's at 25 new prospects into sequences. I'm going to be very honest, be very shocking. I have never hit that. And I have exceeded quota two, two months in a row now. Uh, and start to hit it for December. And I think a lot of it stems from like being creative, but also being persistent and know who to be persistent with. So, and that starts off with having a really tight collaboration with your AE. So mm-hmm. biggest advice I have to anyone who's going to the SDR all for the first time, or, you know, they're, 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 you know, it's the first time working with an AE is have a conversation, sit down with your AE and say, look, I'm your partner. Like I'm not your employee. Like make that very clear. Like your quota and my quota, it's literally tied together. So I had this, I had a conversation early on with my AE. I was like, what's your quota? Like, what's your, what's your quarterly quota? Like, how can we help you get there? What are ways that we can collaborate so that we can easily get those meetings out that lead to, to close one. And I think a lot of it stems from looking really at close lost first. So looking at prospects you're already engaged with, that's like the easiest low hanging fruit, right? So look at low hanging fruit. So whether that be they've engaged with you in the past six months, last month, six months, they've engaged you last two months, but they've fallen, they've fallen out of kind of the sequence, for example. Uh, you see something on LinkedIn that ca- catches your eye. So what I look for for triggers for our field is like if there are open roles, right? If they are hiring aggressively, then I look for that. Then I kind of use that in my outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, and another part of being creative is also being able to use, as you probably know this, right? Multiple channels when you reach out to a prospect. I think Morgan Ingram does a really good ha- a visual of showing you the percent effectiveness of when a pros- prospect takes a meeting by the different channels that you use. So I think I don't want to, you know, quote him something wrong, but I know that if you only use like email, it's like what, 20 or 25%. Mm-hmm. And that goes up 10% if you use calls and emails. And that goes up even more if you include kind of the social prospecting, like LinkedIn, for example, or social media avenues as well. Yeah. And yeah, I think the different approaches you take with multi, multi-channel, like I used to do that as well. And yeah, utilizing your AE is, is going to be crucial too in the role. But you said something that was catching my attention. I know you said like creativity, consistency, and persistency, the persistent part, you said persistent with the right people. 
So I was wondering right. if you can explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So I think my first SDR manager told me this and it, like, it never leaves me. He said the, the best SDRs are those that know which is the right ICP and the right prospect over others. So when you think about your data, right, as an SDR, you have pretty much free reign. You're kind of like a CEO of your own company, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to think about what are, what, how do I spend my time on like maxi maximizing like those revenue generating activities? And it's not only activity, but it's also the prospects, right? You have to think about like your ICP, think about the titles and think about is this prospect realistically going to have the decision-making power or are they going to champion your product? And that's what I think about when I reach out to a prospect. So I get a lot of MQLs, right? And some of them, I don't even personalize because I know they're probably not going to be high value, but there are ones that I see like director, for example, or, you know, talent operations, like leader. Those are the people that I know are making decisions. So I work harder to personalize mm -hmm. that using like their LinkedIn, any content they've created, or even like today, I made one on 12 days of resignation, like 12 days of Christmas. Um, oh, cool. you know, being very creative and how you're messaging for the right prospects. I think people have this notion that as a person, everyone like, no, that's not true. You have to personalize people that you think matter the most. And I think by understanding your ICP really well, understanding the problems that your product solves and the challenges that you, you guys have solved before, I think that will help you kind of have a clear picture of what your ICP is and who that is when you're doing your boolean searches, for example, on Sales Navigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are all really good tips. And I think in the SDR role, you obviously need to know how to solve their problem and to provide value. But it's such a game of like where to spend your time and your effort. So I think I was asking that question because it's like, you're kind of saying you need to spend your effort in different ways. You know, if right. like, if you get an MQL, if you get inbounds or, you know, leads, you want to approach them in different ways. Exactly. So it's, it's important to kind of have a hierarchy. And also with your time, you said, you just said that you, your, your book of business, you know, and you're, you're taking your day by storm. So how do you, how do you optimize your time to yeah. really pushing towards those? I think you said revenue generating, um, yeah. you know, activities, which I love that term. So shout out yeah. for that. <laughs> uh, I got it from fanatical prospecting. It's a book. I highly recommend it very, very well. What's it called again? Uh, fanatical prospecting. Cool. I believe it's, I, I can't remember the top of my head. I'll get back to you on it. But I remember it's a fanatical prospect and it's it's a very famous sales leader. He has a multiple yeah. books, but I can, I can get back to you on that. I don't know if I'm top of my head. <laughs> I can put it in the show notes, but I love this book as well. Just to say, I love it. As well. <laughs> and I remember reading part of it. He says, you know, split your time based on your revenue generating activities in the very beginning. So you have, your a, uh, you have your A time, B time, and C time. So A time is like, those are the ones that really give you your most money, right? Like those are the ones that, for example, the prospects, for example, if they, if they, you know, sent me email in the middle of the night or they're in the EU and they sent me one at 7 a.m., like at 8 a.m. I have to respond. Or if they've engaged me before, I've seen them, I saw them on QL, like I sent them a first email. So those are the ones I focus on at the beginning, in the morning. Jet blout is the one, you're right. So that's why I, that's how, that's how I start my day. I start my day with those prospects that have engaged, that are ready to take a meeting or that are close to, I just need to convince them a little more just to, to say yes. Um, and then after that, that's what I do. I like to call in the morning. So I personally am more so weird. I know people have different preferences, but I like to call in the morning, especially because I have a lot of um, East Coast accounts too. And I'm in the, mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm in, um, I'm in San Francisco. So I try to do as much, I try to do as much calls in the morning as I can. And then after that, that's when I get, that's when I do like creative side. So that's when I go on like LinkedIn. I like stock my prospects. I like see what they're posting. I like, I comment, I like, I 
sometimes say, oh, wow, like your company is doing such cool, like marketing for talent attraction. You know, how, how do you, how do you envision this growing in the next, you know, six months, for example? And then I ask a question, I kind of get their insight and then message them on LinkedIn and just be very persistent. This is where the persistent part comes into my day. I follow up if, for example, it's a very high value, high value prospect that I know as a decision maker with what I call my tier one accounts. I create a video on LinkedIn after they added me. So that's why I'm using like every touch point. I start out with an email, right? Highly personalized email based on their content. And if they don't have a content, then I just make it a general to their ICP. Um, and then I do a cold call. So I actually do four, if it's a really high value prospect, I do four consecutive days. So I'll call one day, they don't answer, I'll call another day. They don't answer, I'll call a third day. Mm. And before they leave a voicemail, the key is to to make sure your number is the same, because then they're going to start they're going to start like remembering your number, and they're going to be like, okay, this person's trying to reach out to me, and then you have a higher chance of like them answering. And then if that call if that doesn't work, I, I I I've added them on LinkedIn, and I'll see if they have added me or not, and then I'll send them a video through a DM. Uh, through LinkedIn's uh, native in, in like video feature. If I want to be really creative, sometimes I also I use a background and I do it through Vidyard. But personally, I like the integration with LinkedIn more. It's just what's worked for me. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how I structure my day. And then my last a few hours, that's when I send like emails at scale. My goodness, you have such a good process and flow. Like this is obviously very thought thought through and you know, you really are more and more becoming the gem that you are, gem of an SDR. And and lots of people could probably take a lot from that. You know, I I guess like for for those people who are just getting into it or maybe don't know all those things that you were talking about, maybe you can walk them through in in simpler terms or like how to kind of structure your day. You said cold calling the morning. Do you want to continue maybe? Yeah. So in the morning, I would say high follow-ups. So people who have engaged with you in any way or form, if they even responded to you, even if they've objected to you. That's what I do in the morning because you can handle objections. It's easier to handle an objection because at least they've already engaged with you than go cold, right? Is in my perspective, depending on the objection, right? And then, so that's what I do. Like I would probably spend like one or two hours there and then I do like cold calls in the morning. So I've always been said, it, it always say like, you know, 50 dials. I, I personally don't think it should be the number of dials. I should, I think it should be the number of connects, uh, meaningful connects. So. Meaningful connects in our, in our, the way we track it is if any, on any conversation over one minute is a meaningful connection. Right. Uh, and we even have a meaningful call conversion rate. So if you want to go even more statistically, you, you calculate your rate as well. Yeah. Uh, so what I do is I actually aim for meaningful calls. So I, I probably aim for like what three or five a day, I think is a fair number, but I can't control that, right? You can't control, you know, who picks up the phone, but you can control the conversation once they do. So. On average, I think my airtime with the prospect is anywhere. I know I talk a lot, probably like five to six minutes. So I try to, when I do cold calls, it's more about like blocks. I do have like two hour blocks and then I take a break. I usually have lunch by then. And then I'll have done my cold calls for the day. And then I do my creative stuff after. So that's when I, that's when I make my videos. I stock them on social media. So I stock uh, specific prospects like that I know are high value. So I go to tier one and look at like directors of talent acquisition and like, a chief health resource officer, for example, a human resources officer, excuse me, for example, then I I see what makes them tick. I see what they're posting. And then I try to make a video that incorporates either their content that they created or even company news that that have changed, such as like stock price increasing, the digital acceleration is a big one right now. So they're hiring more technical talent, just triggers basically is what I look for. And and that, and that after kind of that two hour lunch period where I get creative. Mm -hmm. And then after that, to end my day, that's when I do a lot of my emails. So I aim for 25 emails a day, but I found that I'm actually more effective because I do very personalized and I, I, I do less than 25 and I actually get 
at higher response rates. So I, I've done, I've A-B tested it. So what I do is if it's for any given account, I do at least three or four like leadership roles that are decision makers that are very personalized. And then at least one or two that are just like generic mm -hmm. uh, emails from sequences that I've created in the past. And that's typically how I run my day-to-day -day as an SDR so far. That is very impressive. I know <laughs> you said that you don't hit all the metrics, but you seem like you do because you you seem very consistent in doing it every day. Do, do you miss a day ever? And, and <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I, I read this book. Uh, I'm also reading this book called Deep Work. The idea that deep work is very rare in in you know the corporate environment because it's, it's turning into a interaction team based environment, which is great. But you're kind of losing the value of being really focused on what you're doing. Hmm. And he was. Talking about one of the approaches, I think it's called what, the rhythmic approach. So that's what I am. I have I, in my role, like things change. I mean, you say something, they tell me to follow up with someone, then I ch changes my whole kind of like day, right? Like it's not like as structured as it sounds. My day, honestly, a lot of it, there's a lot of education that come up, and I and the nice thing about the rhythmic approach is it's this idea that you find pockets of time in your day where you're free, where you just engage in deep work, and that's what I do instead of having like okay within like two hours, like I have to call like nothing else, like nothing else happens, like realistically that doesn't probably happen every day like sometimes my AE says something a director makes an announcement I have to deal with something and I have to you know shut down a certain fire for example and then that's when I you know look at like okay it's not necessarily having like deep work all the time but times when you're free in those pockets and being able being very efficient just like laying your head down just like getting to work mm -hmm. um, yeah no I I think that's a good way to kind of look at it because not every day is going to be the same and I think looking at call blocks can be, and it also can be mundane too, when you're just yeah. trying to get through your day and doing the same thing over and over and over. Do you feel like doing all this work over and over again, obviously you've been hitting your number and it's been successful for you, but do you believe in the concept of like compound interest of like doing all these activities, you know, generating activities that you just spoke about? Do you feel like it pays off in the future or kind of like paint a picture of a strategy of like doing these will get me to this number kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? Yes, totally. I'm going to give you an example. So September, I had the high, I had really high activity, very personalized. I worked really hard and I hit 40% of quota. I was devastated. I was like, this is crazy. Like, and no one else, I think only two people in the whole SDR team that month hit quota. And none of them were in the enterprise team, by the way, you guys. And next month in October, I was at 140%. Like it's like a hundred percent difference within a month. And I, I credit that to compound interest because of the prospects that I've hit up in September is when they hit me back up in October or they finally engaged with me. And then I was very strategic in how I reached out to them, which is cold calls. That's when I became a little more strategic in my work. I became more creative in the videos that I send and the channels that I reach out to them to. One of them, I messaged on Instagram, for example, one of them, I'll go over examples, was literally a referral. Like they told me, hey, you have to check out Jen. And I booked a meeting with them. So I just got more creative. And I think I learned that it also with enterprise deals, a lot of it is nurturing. Like how well can you nurture someone? Because I'll give you an example. So Walt got acquired by DoorDash. Walt was one of our biggest tier target accounts that we were trying to reach out to. They're a, a Finnish-based company. They kind of do... Something similar to DoorDash, like delivery services in Finland. Um, and I remember the guy said, hey, in August, we shot to be back in October. And then in September, I, I we raised Series C, you know, we, we shout out to major like plug here. We became a unicorn company. So I kind of plugged that in my messaging and how we've, you know, helped clients and, and the things that we've done to, to get to where we are. And then he said, okay, let me kind of remind him say, okay, yeah, actually, like, I do remember this, but let's still push for October. Because that's when I really wanted to meet in September. 
And then October came around, not even the first week, I reached out to him and he said, okay, let's get things scheduled. He actually sent me a long email about how the business etiquette and, and then they don't like to get sold to. So you have to kind of like actually wait for them to reach out to you. And then we, he made it very clear, like this is kind of just an introductory call and he took the meeting. So as you see, like I can nurture that from August all the way to October. And that's to me, that's what I think of compound interest, right? Like the, the more you start, the, the, the book radical prospecting is a really good, is a good quote. And I forget is the pipeline that you build today isn't necessarily about the results you'll see tomorrow, but the results you'll see in the next 30 days. And that's how I see me hitting my number is if I can be consistent with hitting as much pounds as possible, even if it means like two or three people, that'll compound interest over time because then they're going to start looking at your content. You're going to start MQLing, for example, or they're going to start, you know, looking at your emails again and say, Hey, I remember Jude from Gem. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. Compound interest. I've seen it in my work too. And I think a lot of SDRs can also feel the same way. And it feels good after months and months and you you hit that meeting, you know, especially an enterprise deal uh, or enterprise uh, prospect and, and get a meeting. It can feel like the Christmas day, you know, literally. So would love to kind of, um, I know we can kind of go a couple different ways, but I, I want to hear about your social selling and like LinkedIn prospecting and how you weave that in. So maybe we can kind of touch on that. You say that you create videos in the, the native LinkedIn app, and you also comment on their on their posts. Can you kind of walk me through what that LinkedIn prospecting or social selling kind of looks like for you? Yeah, so this is not at all structured. I've just, I've just seen results based on what I'm doing, but what I could say is if it's, it's, if it's something cool that I genuinely think is cool, I'll comment. I don't, I don't comment just to comment because I, don't, I, I, I believe in being personalized and that means yeah. actually caring about what you're saying right right so the biggest triggers i look for is if they start a new role so if they start a new role i say congratulations mm-hmm. on your new role you know I, you probably heard from me like multiple times when i was reaching out to you and you're at this previous company i uh, would kind of love to see how uh, your new talent priorities can shape up with gem for example is what i would say or i would say make it even more personalized based on what their content that's just a very generic example i would say but in terms of my process i look for you know, if they've changed jobs, congratulate them. If they are hiring, so if I see that they are expanding into a new office, or they are what's it called? Oh, they're facing the the, the great resignation uh, right now. I don't know if you know, but basically, there's a huge talent war. Like like just like real estate, like it's super hard to get a house. It's super hard to find talent because everyone's yeah. living. So we're we're kind of making this new strategy of you know turning the great resignation into the great attraction with Jen. So I've I've used that message here and there sometimes. And then once I the the goal, the goal is for them to remember your name. That's that's a pro, that's the purpose of commenting on their post and liking their post because when you DM them, that's something super personalized or something that they posted. They're they're more likely to answer you. And I think just. Sorry to interrupt, but I think just the LinkedIn profile in general, just having that landing page to be there. So utilizing LinkedIn is so crucial in your whole multi-channel approach. Cause it's like, if they see your face on LinkedIn, they, they view your profile. I know that I would connect with them right away, you know, or I would like reach out to them right away if they like looked at my profile, not even connected with me. And I think that familiarity is going to go far in, you know, in um, prospecting them because they get so many outreaches per day. Right. So I think any yeah. way we can like reach out to them and get our face in front of them is like really crucial. So definitely. And also like the video, that's that's where you cut above the noise, right? Think about it. Like when I think of my ICP, like they're recruiters or like they're like directors yes. of recruiting, right? They're probably gonna have in-mails coming from candidates, like you know, all, all these other candidates that they're managing through LinkedIn. Like, so how do you stand out from that box? And I think that's where the video comes in. So I always say, like, hey. 
Uh, thanks for connecting. I'd love to stay connected with you. Uh, I wanted to shake things up in my fall up here by creating a video for you to watch. Dot dot dot. And then I, really? I would put the I would put the video. Okay. Um, and then a day, a two or one or two days after, I, I say, hey, hi, prospect. Any feedback on the video? But that's all I say. And then that's when they usually respond. And then if they don't respond, I say I, I end it with, hey, prospect, did I lose you? Question mark. And then I just put them into a nurture sequence. Okay, got it. So I'm also curious, like, how do you follow up with everyone in your inbox? I know that I was always had a struggle with this because um, I would have like a cadence of like, you know, first connect with them, then, you know, try to be friends with them. You know, sometimes I wouldn't pitch them right away. Sometimes I would just like connect to just be friends with them and that can help too. But sometimes you can also like be more aggressive with it and approach it mm -hmm. like, Hey, this is what we do. Like let's chat. But yeah, kind of, kind of what's your approach of like keeping track of everyone and nurturing them. So the way I keep track, honestly, is really funny is when they added me as a connection. So I try to be reactive. So the minute they try to add me, I try to send them like a video or like a, a, a at least a blurb to get their attention uh, within like one or two hours, I would say. And I, I am a little more aggressive kind of in kind of how I'm selling, but I also am very smart at incorporating what I call context clues. So context clues are like any uh, way that you have any engagement with the company. So this is when the multi-threaded prospecting comes in. For example, if I say, I remember when I got a meeting at uh, Springboard is there's a champion there that was actually called to my AE. She hasn't been responding. And then one of the, one of the directors responded to my colleague who sent it to me because it's my account now got transferred. And then I said, Hey, thanks for connecting with me on LinkedIn. And it looks like a lot of people in your company are looking at LinkedIn. I actually saw this person, this person, this person download a lot of these uh, recruiting marketing materials. Not sure where you're at right now when it comes to evaluating new tools, but do you want to see what the hype around is around Gem? And it took a meeting. So yeah. there's a lot of creative ways to do it, but I typically try to incorporate context clues or contact like, engagement, any, any form of engagement into my messaging to make it a little more personalized and a little more relevant to them. Okay. I like that. That's a really good one. Context clues. Th th that's a really good uh, tip because I think we do this subconsciously as salespeople, but there, there's really a true like story around what you're doing and, and reaching out to every, you know, each person, everyone has a different story um, and journey with you and your company and they're on their own journey as well. And, you know, being up to date with that company and knowing, you know, if they're, they just got funding, if they're hiring, like whatever's right. going on with their company. Exactly. If they just went on a podcast of the person that you, you know, spoke yeah. to, you just had an event, yeah. like okay. there's so much, so many things that you can weave into what you're selling and, and what you're kind of wanting to connect about around. Totally. Um, so I'm kind of curious, do, do you also post on LinkedIn? Like, do you, do you utilize your content creation within your social selling or do you just do that? Uh, I'm starting to. So I actually okay. take this tip from Penelope, shout out. I'm going to do that when I come in the new year um, is I'm going to work with some of the people, our talent advisory team on messaging around creating a question on LinkedIn, where it's a very open-ended question. Uh, I'm going to come in from a, a perspective, like being a student, like, oh, I'm new to talent, I'm business space, I'd love to learn from anyone in my network or talent leaders, right? And kind of ask them a question that I know that our product can solve. So like, I kind of like know the answers already, and I'm just going to like put it as a poll and see how anyone who answers on a follow-up there. I haven't done it yet, but that's something that I know that I'm going to do. And then similar to what you're doing, I love, I love kind of your posts on LinkedIn, just checking in with, with everyone. Uh, something that I want to incorporate more is just, you know, news that I see, for example, on like the talent war, we call it right now, the great resignation, you know, being mm -hmm. able to share that and getting people's thoughts on it, just getting content out there yeah. pushed out. Yeah, I, that's a great idea. I, I've never heard of the great resignation, like even what you're, you said <laughs> there, like I know there's, 
a surge in, in hiring AEs and everyone's kind of going over the place with recruiting and hiring. Yeah. But yeah, I think the more content like you, you put around that, I think that would be really good. I would definitely be interested in it. Um, yeah, and I think I want to be more focused on this, like DEI. Like I'm a DEI advocate, so uh, every time I find an article on like diversity recruiting or diversity hiring or tracking diversity, like that interests me. I would post that as well. <laughs> right. So to, to, to answer your question, go ahead. I was going to say, like how how important is it as an STR to be really like interested in what you're doing? Because I feel like it's aligning with your goals of where you want to be headed, right? So like how important is it to you? I think I got lucky. I mean, I I will say not everyone has privilege to being in a position where they can be an SDR and sell something that actually aligns with their values. I know some people take the role for you know, financial reasons or for you know just moving up in the tech space, and that I totally respect. But if you have you know the chance to not I want to say evangelical sell, but a sell where that really aligns with one of your core values, it'll speak. It'll how do I say this? It'll speak more into how you sell the product. It'll, you'll come off as more genuine and more passionate about what you're selling. Sure. And I think with like gems, I really value diversity because I see in our, I see in my team, like our SDR team in gems is like one of the most diverse and I'm able to sell like a product that actually promotes, enhances and encourages diversity and talent teams. So, you know, as someone, it doesn't look like a typical, I would call sales tech person in tech sales, like it's really important for me to, to be able to you know, have a product that actually it aligns with one of my core beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And like you said, not a lot of SDRs get to do that. I feel like sometimes talking to SDRs, it's like pulling teeth with doing their activities and doing their yeah. selling their product. But it just seems so like even talking to you right now, it just seems like you flow so naturally and like you want to, to get up and, and sell this product and like you want to right. get up and do your job. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's really inspiring to me is to, it's to see other SDRs like thriving, you know, I mean. And it took a while to get here, right? It takes a while for you to get to that position. I would say, I don't think any SDR should get promoted within at least eight months. I really? You think so? I think so. I think that it takes, I think, because honestly, I can see from experience at month six at GEM is when I started to really learn a good flow and start hitting quota and exceeding quota. And it's because I became more creative. I like tried things that I didn't think I would try before. I, you know, I focused more on those high value prospects, right? Rather than spray and pray, which works for some people, by the way. I don't want to, I don't want to discredit that, but for me, it didn't work. So how do I, you know, mix up my methods to, to, to see something that works. And it takes time for you to A-B test those methods. This is why I think it takes, at least for me in my perspective, you know, eight months to, to even be considered for a role. When do you think you'll be ready for the AE position? Like, when do you think you'll know that you're ready for it? I think I know I'm ready right now, to be honest with you, Lila. I think I He's think ready. ready. I think you know <laughs> when you're ready. Woo! Um, and I think a lot of you know you're ready is how you not only how you book your meetings, but if you get to engage with your prospects, like how you engage with them in cold calls. Like I can tell that when I cold call, like now it's very laser focused on their priorities, and I'm already doing discovery to help out my AE so that when I hand it over, like they get to do their own discovery, but they already have like a leg up because they don't have to ask them questions, for example. And I think that's how you know your AE is like, how good, how well can you discover? Like how well can you decipher what they need in terms of like their pain points and how well can you uncover other pain points they didn't even know they had? I think once you start thinking like an AE, you're, you're kind of there, you know, like once you start like discovering and like curious about after the handoff, you know, and what your AEs are doing. Exactly. 
are they coaching you at all or letting you kind of take some yeah getting at the totally. so i'm gonna i'll give you two really good examples this is how i know i'm ready there's two prospects they actually asked me for a demo i like it's because i was just being really persistent i remember i think one of them was with lego corporation oh, i forget this one i was reaching out to this person cold calling them and they filled out a demo through through our, our website and then they even emailed me and said hey i filled out a demo through the gem but i was hoping i could, I could demo with you and of course i'm not an ae yet so of course i gave it with my i i passed it along to my ae but he said hey you know if you want to do discovery call discovery questions like go ahead so i actually did ask like two or three discovery questions in the beginning mm-hmm. and got a lot like I got, we got so much information just on those two questions alone we learned that they were making a center of excellence for example in denmark where they're going to hire yeah. like a lot of talent uh, sourcers and, and recruiters how did it feel for you to like do that for the first time? It felt great, honestly. It just felt like, I, you know, that's how I knew I was like, this is the role that I, I want. That was one of the, tr- the triggers, I would say. Um, then another example is, I remember, oh my God, this person, I we shot this person so many times. I know the feeling. Um, I know that. Yeah, you know. Trust me, I think we all do. <laughs> she was a director of talent acquisition um, at NetApp at the time. And I've been reaching out to her, you know, do all these creative messages. I, I knew they were making an executive recruitment team, so I even looked into our like high spot database and see any resources that we have on executive recruiting. You know, she was opening and opening them and you know, she wasn't taking a meeting. And then not, I think it was two days after she joined as a VP of people at an SMB account selling, she reached out to me and she said, Hey, Ju, I know you've been reaching out to me. I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing how Jeff can fit at my new company. Do you want to give me a demo? That must and- so good. You were like, hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah, it felt great. And I think also during that call, I gave it to a person AE. She said, you know, by the way, I just want to say Jude is great. He's just very persistent. And yeah, it was all she said. And I was just like, I was throwing it back. Like, I've never had a prospect say that about me. So it, it pays to be persistent and it pays to be personal, personalized. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And it, it's so nice when it's noticed, especially when you, as an SDR, you get thrown down so many times and just like, you have to keep getting back up and to get that kind of feedback is insane. I do remember if I can share an example too. Of course. I was, it was one of my first calls and I got this VP of digital. Um, I forget the company um, and I probably shouldn't say the company. She, she attended the meeting and I actually got her with a video. It was a couple videos and I just was persistent and like she said she would meet and then she kind of ghosted me and then I followed up with another video. So it was kind of like that. And then she finally got on the call and she was this really, really sweet lady. And at the end of the call, she was like, you got a good one with Lila. Like she's, she basically oh. stopped the whole meeting. It was like, Lila, like, I don't know if you know, but she did really good. And my AE was there as well as my, his boss was there too, the RVP of sales. So they all got to hear about this new SDR, like being so creative and following up and in such a genuine way. Like her words, I, I will never forget that, forget it. And it just, they blew me up in the chat after and they were so excited. And I feel like they were like, oh, she's like a star SDR now. Like she's <laughs> so amazing, whatever. So I had to like uphold that, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that attention and feeling. I was like, all right, I got to like keep going and keep hitting my number and keep doing this stuff. But yeah, I, I think the reassurance and the validation is huge. Uh, I'm sure you can attest as well. So. Yeah. So I think kind of, kind of wrapping up here, I'm curious, like, who has inspired you? Like, you know, wh- what are your goals mainly? And like, what are you really trying to like focus on, I guess, in the, in the new year? Cause I know we're, we're filming this or not filming this, we're recording this at the end of the year. So what are your kind of your main goals for next year? Yeah, I think my main goal is definitely to, to, to get the promotion, hopefully for the SMBA role. Mm-hmm. I just think that I have a lot of things. I mean, call it the, I mean, call it my, 
old Ezra manager told me it's called an attaboy list. You list out all of the people that have given you like praises, compliments, and that includes, by the way, the CEO. So it's it's great to be an organization where if you do good work, like there's visibility in 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 in, in the part and like in your success, right? And being able to be consistent, I think it's the biggest thing in the new year. It's like being consistent, and you know, because you never know. Like each month is different. For example, December was hard. Um, like I even told, I, I was even like, for example, I give you up like this month. I even said like, hey, I want to hit eighty five percent because I know that's like at least the minimum. Because I I know that towards the end of December it's going to get really hard. And thank God I already hit it. So I think just being consistent in in, in the goals that you set mm-hmm. when you set them every month. Um, I think it's also being. I think what in terms of the answer, second question is like what you want. Yeah. Um, I think what I want is to be able to be. An ace because I want to be able to solve kind of people's problems and being able to see kind of the accolades or, or the praises that they've they've received by just adopting our product. I think that to me is what would be exciting as an AE because you work so hard as an SDR to book a meeting, right? Like for me, I want I've always envisioned the role in sales as end to end. So for a meeting that you set, you, you follow all the way through your close one and being able to to kind of be a you know strategic thought partner with your with your prospect throughout the process. And then just one last question. I want to make sure I answer everything. Yeah. Any any kind of lasting advice for anyone maybe who's going through hard months? And I know you you kind of pick yourself up. Um, you said you've gone through kind of ebbs and flows. Any any advice for for those people? I would say gamify your experience. Like don't do the same thing over and over again. So for example, what I mean by gamify is let's say you're gonna you have to do calls, right? Like let's say at 30 calls you you eat like a chocolate bar or something, or you like play a game on your phone or something that you like to do. So just mix it up and then just be creative. I would say there are definitely had months where it's very hard. There actually was months where I didn't even have any accounts left to prospect into. And that's how I even came up with the initiative of multi-threaded prospecting, right? Because we didn't even have that before I came in. Like I was the one that kind of came up to my manager and said, hey, you know, I booked another meeting with this large, you know, retail company because my AE told me to, like, I want to get credit for this. And then they are basically building out this process because of just, just because I asked, right? Mm-hmm. So being really, I think, with the spirit of our podcasting, creative uh, yeah. in those really hard times. Because you, at the end of the day, think about, like, how do you power interrupt? And how do you cut above the noise? Mm, I love that. Beautiful. I feel like I need to replay this back and just like slow mo, and then I'll get all of it because this was jam packed. But but Jude, thank you so much for being here. And where where can the people find you? Uh, I know you're gonna you're gonna post more on, on LinkedIn, which I'm gonna hold you to because I'm excited about your yeah. content about you know the recruitment and just like the, all of that space. But where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, for so you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Judo Campo. So. Very easy to, to find on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me if you want on Instagram, my H A Y J D E E E. But yeah, I think LinkedIn is the best way to 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 contact me. And if you ever want any advice as well, you can email me at um, Jude, my name E dot my last name Ocampo at gmail.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jude, and hope you have a good one. Yeah, thank you so much, Layla. I really appreciate it, and thank you for having me again on this podcast. And there we have it, another episode of the Creativity Lab in the books. Thank you guys all so much for joining in and listening today. I appreciate every single one of you. So thank you so much for your positive support and uh, constructive criticism and feedback. Um, I needed all I can get in this journey of my podcast. So thank you so much. Hopefully you found this episode to be entertaining as well as inspirational, potentially motivational to you know practice more creativity in your own walks of life. So I hope that came across today. As well as I wanted to let you guys know that I do have an Instagram page. My handle is the underscore creativity lab, as well as my 
my image, my brand there is a moon and a star. So go ahead and look for that and give it a follow as well as I post tons of motivational and you know business content around personal development. So hopefully you guys can go give it a follow. You know, overall, I'm just so thankful for every single one of you guys to be here and support me in my in my journey to understanding and diving deeper into conversation and connections with like-minded people. So uh, thank you all for supporting me and I can't wait to see you guys at the next one. Thanks.